Section 36 of Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 11. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in September 2020. Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 11 section thirty six selected excerpts from the true history of the conquest of mexico by bernal diaz del castillo bernal diaz del castillo fourteen ninety eight to fifteen ninety three bernal diaz del castillo one of the chief chroniclers of the conquest of mexico by the spaniards was born at medina del campo in old castile about the year fourteen ninety eight Concerning the date of his death, authorities differ widely. He died in Guatemala, perhaps not long after 1570, but some say not until 1593. Of humble origin, he determined, while still a youth, to seek his fortune in the New World. In 1514, he went with Pedro Diaz to Darien and Cuba. He was a common soldier with Cordoba in the first expedition to Yucatan in 1517. He accompanied Grijalva to Mexico in the following year, and finally enlisted under the banner of Cortes. In every event that marked the career of that brilliant commander in Mexico, Diaz had a part. He was engaged in 119 battles, and was present at the siege and surrender of the capital in 1521 of unswerving loyalty and bravery according to his own naive statement he was frequently appointed by cortes to highly important missions when cortes set out to subdue the defection under cristobal de oli at honduras diaz followed his old chief in the terrible journey through the forests and swamps on his return he presumably adopted the life of a planter although he had complained loudly of the meagre allotment of land and laborers which the conqueror gave him in fifteen sixty eight however after the lapse of half a century when cortes had been dead twenty-one years we find the veteran comfortably established as regidor a civic officer to the city of guatemala and busily engaged on the narrative of the heroic deeds of his youth in his introduction to the historia diaz frankly admits that his principal motive in taking up his pen was to vindicate the valor of himself and others who had been completely overshadowed by the exaggerated reputation of cortes when fairly started he happened to run across the cronica de la nueva españa saragossa fifteen fifty four of gomara secretary and chaplain to cortes fifteen forty to forty seven at first the rough old soldier threw down his pen in despair on noting the polished style of the scholar but when he became aware of the gross inaccuracies of his predecessor who had never even set foot in america he determined so he declares to write above all things a faithful narrative of the stirring events in which he had participated thus was completed his historia verdadera de la conquista de la nueva españa for some reason this valuable manuscript lay neglected in a private library for about sixty years 
Finally, it fell into the hands of Father Alonso Remor, a sagacious priest who published it at Madrid in 1632. The narrative of this soldier historian, although clumsy, full of digressions and repetitions, and laying bare his ignorance, simplicity and vanity, will nevertheless always be read with far more interest than the weightier works of Las Casas, Gomara or Herrera. Prescott explained the secret of its fascination when he said, Bernal Diaz, the untutored child of nature, is a most true and literal copyist of nature. He transfers the scenes of real life by a sort of daguerreotype process, if I may so say, to his pages. He is among chroniclers what Defoe is among novelists. All the picturesque scenes and romantic incidents of the campaign are reflected in his pages as in a mirror. The lapse of fifty years has had no power over the spirit of the veteran. The fire of youth glows in every line of his rude history, and as he calls upon the scenes of the past, the remembrance of the brave companions who are gone gives, it may be, a warmer colouring to the picture than if it had been made at an earlier period. A fairly good English translation of the work of Bernal Diaz appeared in London in 1800, under the title of The True History of the Conquest of Mexico. From The True History of the Conquest of Mexico, translation of Maurice Keating, London, 1800. The Capture of Guatimozin. Sandoval at this moment made a signal for the flotilla to close up to him, and perceived that Guatimozin was prisoner to Holguin, who was taking him to Cortes. Upon this he ordered his rowers to exert their utmost to bring him up to Holguin's vessel, and, having arrived by the side of it, he demanded Guatimozin to be delivered to him as general of the whole force, but Holguin refused, alleging that he had no claim whatever. A vessel which went to carry the intelligence of the great event brought also to Cortes, who was then on the summit of the great temple in the Taltelulco, very near the part of the lake where Guatimozin was captured, an account of the dispute between his officers. Cortes immediately dispatched Louis Marin and Francisco de Lugo to bring the whole party together to his quarters, and thus to stop all litigation but he enjoined them not to omit treating Guatimozin and his queen with the greatest respect. During the interval he employed himself in arranging a state, as well as he could, with cloths and mantles. He also prepared a table with refreshments to receive his prisoners. As soon as they appeared he went forward to meet them, and embracing Guatimozin, treated him and all his attendants with every mark of respect. The unfortunate monarch, with tears in his eyes and sinking under affliction, then addressed him in the following words. Malintzin, I have done that which was my duty in the defence of my kingdom and people. My efforts have failed, and being now brought by force a prisoner in your hands, draw that poniard from your side and stab me to the heart. Cortes embraced and used every expression to comfort him, by assurances that he held him in high estimation for the valour and firmness he had shown, and that he had required a submission from him and the people at the time that they could no longer reasonably hope for success, in order to prevent further destruction. 
but that was all past and no more to be thought of it he should continue to reign over the people as he had done before cortes then inquired after his queen to which guatimozin replied that in consequence of the compliance of sandoval with his request she and her women remained in the piraguas until cortes should decide as to their fate the general then caused them to be sent for and treated them in the best manner his situation afforded the evening was drawing on and it appeared likely to rain he therefore sent the whole royal family to guyoacan under the care of sandoval the rest of the troops then returned to their former quarters we to ours of tacuba and cortes proceeding to guyoacan took the command there sending sandoval to resume his station at tepeaquilla thus was the siege of mexico brought to a conclusion by the capture of guatimozin and his chiefs on the thirteenth of august at the hour of vespers being the day of saint hippolytus in the year of our lord one thousand five hundred and twenty one glorified be our lord jesus christ and our lady the holy virgin mary his blessed mother amen guatimozin was of a noble appearance both in person and countenance his features were rather large and cheerful with lively eyes his age was about twenty-three or four years and his complexion very fair for an indian his queen the niece of montezuma was young and very handsome the mortality at the conquest of mexico what i am going to mention is truth and i swear and say amen to it i have read of the destruction of jerusalem but i cannot conceive that the mortality there exceeded this of mexico for all the people from the distant provinces which belonged to this empire had concentrated themselves here where they mostly died the streets the squares the houses and the courts of the taltelulco were covered with dead bodies we could not step without treading on them the lake and canals were filled with them and the stench was intolerable for this reason our troops immediately after the capture of the royal family retired to their former quarters cortes himself was for some time ill from the effect of it cortes i will now proceed to describe the person and disposition of the marquis cortes he was of good stature and strongly built of a rather pale complexion and serious countenance his features were if faulty rather too small his eyes mild and grave his beard was black thin and scanty his hair in the same manner his breast and shoulders were broad and his body very thin he was very well limbed and his legs rather bowed an excellent horseman and dexterous in the use of arms he also possessed a heart and mind which is the principal part of the business i have heard that when he was a lad in hispaniola he was very wild about women and that he had several duels with able swordsmen in which he always came off with victory he had the scar of a sword wound near his under lip which appeared through his beard if closely examined and which he received in some of those affairs in his appearance manners transactions conversation table and dress everything bore the appearance of a great lord his clothes were according to the fashion of the time 
he was not fond of silks damasks or velvets but everything plain and very handsome nor did he wear large chains of gold but a small one of fine workmanship bearing the image of our lady the blessed virgin with her precious son in her arms and a latin motto and on the reverse saint john the baptist with another motto he wore on his finger a ring with a very fine diamond and in his cap which according to the fashion of that day was of velvet he bore a medal the head and motto of which i do not recollect but latterly he wore a plain cloth cap without any ornament his table was always magnificently attended and served with four major-domos or principal officers a number of pages and a great quantity of plate both gold and silver he dined heartily at midday and drank a glass of wine mixed with water of about half a pint he was not nice in his food nor expensive except on particular occasions where he saw the propriety of it he was very affable with all his captains and soldiers especially those who accompanied him in his first expedition from cuba he was a latinist and as i have been told a bachelor of laws he was also something of a poet and a very good rhetorician very devout to our holy virgin and to saint peter saint iago and saint john the baptist and charitable to the poor when he swore he used to say by my conscience and when he was angry with any of us his friends he would say oh may you repent it when he was very angry the veins in his throat and forehead used to swell and when in great wrath he would not utter a syllable to any one he was very patient under insults or injuries for some of the soldiers were at times very rude and abusive to him but he never resented their conduct although he had often great reason to do so in such cases he used only to say be silent or go away in god's name and take care not to repeat this conduct or i will have you punished he was very determined and headstrong in all business of war not attending to any remonstrances on account of danger an instance of which he showed in the attack of those fortresses called the rocks of the marquis which he forced us to scale contrary to our opinions and when neither courage counsel nor wisdom could give any rational hope of success where we had to erect the fortress cortez was the hardest laborer in the trenches when we were going to battle he was as forward as any cortez was very fond of play both at cards and dice and while playing he was very affable and good-humoured he used frequently at such times those cant expressions which are customary amongst persons who game in military service he practised the most strict attention to discipline constantly going the rounds in person during the night visiting the quarters of the soldiers and severely reprehending those whom he found without their armour and appointments and not ready to turn out repeating to them the proverb that it is a bad sheep which cannot carry its own wool on our expedition to higueras i perceived that he had acquired a habit which i had never before observed in him and it was this after eating if he did not get his siesta or sleep his stomach was affected and he fell sick for this reason when on the journey let the rain be ever so heavy or the sun ever so hot 
he always reposed for a short time after his repast a carpet or cloak being spread under a tree on which he lay down and having slept a short time he mounted his horse and proceeded on his journey when we were engaged in the wars during the conquest of new spain he was very thin and slender but after his return from higueras he grew fat and acquired a belly he at this time trimmed his beard which had now begun to grow white in the short fashion in his early life he was very liberal but grew close latterly some of his servants complaining that he did not pay them as he ought and i have also to observe that in his latter undertakings he never succeeded perhaps such was the will of heaven his reward being reserved for another place for he was a good cavalier and very devout to the holy virgin and also to saint paul and other holy saints god pardon him his sins and me mine and give me a good end which is better than all conquests and victories over indians of divine aid in the battle of santa maria de la vittoria in his account of this action gomara says that previous to the arrival of the main body of the cavalry under cortes francisco de morla appeared in the field upon a grey dappled horse and it was one of the holy apostles saint peter or saint iago disguised under his person i say that all our works and victories are guided by the hand of our lord jesus christ and that in this battle there were so many enemies to every one of us that they could have buried us under the dust they could have held in their hands but that the great mercy of god aided us throughout what gomara asserts may be the case and i sinner as i am was not worthy to be permitted to see it what i did see was francisco de morla riding in company with cortes and the rest upon a chestnut horse and that circumstance and all the others of that day appear to me at this moment that i am writing as if actually passing in view of these sinful eyes but although i unworthy sinner that i am was unfit to behold either of those holy apostles upwards of four hundred of us were present that their testimony be taken let inquiry also be made how it happened that when the town was founded on that spot it was not named after one or other of those holy apostles and called santiago de la vittoria or san pedro de la vittoria as it was santa maria and the church erected and dedicated to one of those holy saints very bad christians were we indeed according to the account of gomara who when god sent us his apostles to fight at our head did not every day after acknowledge and return thanks for so great a mercy would to heaven that it were so but until i read the chronicle of gomara i never heard of it nor was it ever mentioned amongst the conquerors who were then present cortes destroys certain idols there was on the island of cozumel a temple and some hideous idols to which all the indians of the neighboring districts used to go frequently in solemn procession cortes summoned all the caciques and chief persons to come to him and as well as he could by signs and interpretations explained to them that the idols which they worshipped were not gods but evil things which would draw their souls down to hell 
and if they wish to remain in a brotherly connection with us they must pull them down and place in their stead the crucifix of our lord by whose assistance they would obtain good harvests and the salvation of their souls with many other good and holy reasons which he expressed very well the priests and chiefs replied that they worshipped these gods as their ancestors had done because they were kind to them and that if we attempted to molest them the gods would convince us of their power by destroying us in the sea cortes then ordered them to be prostrated which we immediately did rolling them down some steps he next sent for lime of which there was abundance in the place and indian masons by whom under our direction a very handsome altar was constructed whereon we placed an image of the holy virgin and the carpenters having made a crucifix which was erected in a small chapel close to the altar mass was said by the reverend father juan diaz and listened to by the priests chiefs and the rest of the natives with great attention End of section 36